the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. What this guy in New York is, is going to attempt to use, we think, is the payment to Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels is a former porn star. And uh, I, I almost feel like we've hit our heads and I woke up and we're living 2015, 2016 all over again. We already know this story. Everybody understands this story. He took his personal money and he paid this woman off for her silence. Now, if again, I, I'm, not, I'm not interested in talking about Donald Trump's character. It's not a, that's not right. the point here. It's about the legal matter of taking your personal money and paying somebody off in what is essentially a non-disclosure agreement. I, I, when I leave a radio station, you know, contractually, I've signed something and I'm paid out for a certain period of time. Uh, and while I'm paid out for that period of time, I can't be on the air anywhere else. It's pretty standard operating procedure. It's certainly not illegal. Is that about right? Have I got that right? Well, there's another transaction in the middle. And again, I'm, I'm with you. This is not about Trump's character. I think the simple thing and this, first, I think this really actually goes to what we began our conversation with. Mm -hmm. The simplest way I could explain this case to people is that anyone who was not named Donald Trump, regardless of what you think about Donald Trump, would not be charged in this case. Yeah. Um, so this is just a purely political use of law enforcement authority. So I don't believe. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. No, the, you asked me about the, the transactions, and I, I, of course, gave a, a long-winded uh, <laughs> intro. But um, the, the second transaction here that's relevant is Donald Trump did not directly pay Stormy Daniels, right? His then, as he self-described himself, fixer, the, the uh, well, I, I'm hesitant to say the lawyer, the guy with a <laughs> law degree, uh, Michael Cohen. Sleazebag, yeah. Um, he, yeah, he paid $130,000 to Stormy Daniels to close the non-disclosure agreement. As you point out, non-disclosure agreements are completely legal. They are a staple of civil litigation in America. We have like a million cases that we always hear about where, you know, we get told at the end that the party settled. We don't get to find out how much money changed hands. All they tell us is that nobody admitted wrongdoing and everybody's moving on and we never get to find out about it, right? So this kind of thing goes on all the time. There's nothing illegal about it. Um, but what happens is Cohen pays Daniels and then Trump reimburses Cohen. And the issue here is the, the bookkeeping for Trump's reimbursement of Cohen. Mm -hmm. So in New York, you're allowed to obviously reimburse a debt but if you're doing business in the state of new york you have to you have to account for that accurately and the bottom line here the the gravamen as they say in the law of the um of the misdemeanor charge of falsifying falsifying book bookkeeping or falsifying business records is they book this as if 
there were legal fee payments to Cohen for 12 months during 2017, when in fact it was reimbursement for a debt that was incurred in 2016. Mm -hmm. So that's what the falsification is. Okay. And that, and from there, what Bragg is trying to do, which is just even more preposterous than bringing the case in the first place, is to try to inflate that into a four-year felony that's like with a potential four-year prison sentence on the theory that Trump not only falsified his business records, but was trying to conceal another crime he had committed by doing so. And the problem, of course, Bragg has is that nobody, including this guy you're talking to who's been a lawyer for uh, you know more years than I care to count, can figure out what the hell other crime he's talking about. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, it, it goes without saying, and I know this audience knows well, we could go through the history of uh, the Bidens and the Clintons and so many other political actors yep. who have who have engaged in, you know, far bigger transactions, far more shady uh, you know, behaviors and never, never saw prosecution. Uh, here's the thing. So I won't even relitigate that. I think we all see what this is. Here's the thing that makes me a little suspicious of this. When the DOJ and I know we're not talking about DOJ here, we're talking about uh, Manhattan. Uh, D.A., not not uh, Mary Garland. But remember when they went into Mar-a-Lago, that was kind of sudden and kind of shocking. And everybody said, whoa, what they're doing, what? And, you know, like there was a swiftness to it, a suddenness to it. This kind of telegraphing coming up on Tuesday, we're going to arrest Donald Trump thing. I, I didn't it didn't seem plausible to me that they would telegraph it to such a degree. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I, if maybe they just want the discussion and that they're not actually going to move forward with doing it. They just kind of want the fight or the chum in the water. Is that possible? Well, I think there's two things going on, Chris. One is they're definitely doing all the things that you would do to bring a case. Okay. Um, this doesn't look like a faint, you know, typically in New York, one of the processes they have is that they invite the target into the grand jury to testify at the end. Um, and they invited Trump to come in last week, which, you know, I doubt they would have done if this was not real. Uh, and they have the important witnesses in this escapade who they're, you know, obviously they're bringing them into the grand jury, which you have to do uh, in New York. So it looks like they're proceeding with a case. And on the other hand, for, from Donald Trump's political standpoint, the best thing he has going for him with respect to this is to try to make the case, which has, again, this is the kind of thing that has people on fire, uh, to try to make the case that this is a completely political abuse of power directed at him. So he's the one who's done the most to publicize the idea that he's about to be arrested. And I should say, I don't think he's going to be arrested, Chris, in the traditional sense. For all of the noise that uh, is going on out there, I would just point out to people that the Secret Service, which has President or former President Trump's protection, is a very fine uh, law enforcement organization. The New York City Police Department is, is, as far as I'm concerned, the best law enforcement office in the world. Uh, they work together a lot. A lot of times Secret Service protectees are in New York, so they coordinate the coordination between the Secret Service and the PD is always there. And they are not going to let this turn into a January 6th style zoo. Um, you know, what will probably happen, Trump will never be handcuffed on the street. That's not going to happen. Uh, I assume what will happen is they'll uh, they'll find a quiet room someplace in the courthouse 
when when it comes time where he has to surrender on the charges. Uh, the police, rather than making him go to police headquarters, they'll have a they'll have cops come to the courthouse. They'll fingerprint and photograph him like everybody who goes through the system has to be fingerprinted and photographed. We probably won't see the mug shots, even though people are uh, on the left or you think not a lot of heavy breathing about. Uh, see, here's here's my theory. Yeah, and I, I, I don't want to interrupt this process. They they shouldn't. Yeah, I don't want to interrupt this right. process because I want you to continue. But here's my working theory. If that mugshot becomes public, it becomes the biggest political fundraiser Donald Trump's ever had. That's slapped on every Donald Trump shirt yeah. from here to kingdom come. It's going to be as famous as that Frank Sinatra mugshot from his youth. Sorry to interrupt, <laughs> but I'm serious. Yeah. I bet it does. No, you're right. But, but I, you know, the only way – if Trump wants it publicized, uh, there's a higher chance that it would be. Yeah. Uh, but they're not supposed to publicize it, and it'll be scandalous if it, if it leaks. Not that they'll ever find who who uh, leaked it, right? Because they never find that stuff. But it shouldn't happen in any event, and it shouldn't happen anytime soon. But that doesn't mean it won't. Yeah. Um, but he won't be arrested on the street. I think he'll be processed in the courthouse, and then they'll they'll bring him before a judge. That has to be a public proceeding, so that'll be something of a zoo because they'll have to let the media know uh, it's happening. But uh, it, it should be quick because this is, you know, no matter what you think of the stupid case, I guess I shouldn't say no matter what you think of the stupid case, <laughs> um, but uh, it's nonviolent. So, you know, he's going to be released on his own recognizance. Uh, he'll probably enter a plea, even though that doesn't always happen in the first appearance. But he's been he's been formally indicted. He's not going to be arrested or he will have been formally indicted. He's not going to be arrested on a complaint. So this won't just be the usual. The first appearance is usually on a sworn police complaint, and that's why people don't enter a plea. It's called a presentment. You, the arraignment is after the grand jury has indicted you, and that's when you enter a guilty plea. Here, the grand jury will already have indicted him, so he may enter a guilty plea. If I were involved, I'd, I'd encourage that because you want to minimize the number of times you need to bring Trump to court. You know, to have him come back. Just to enter a plea would be, to me, would be silly. So, so but, you think you they know, plead guilty? This happens, this, I, I this, don't think it'll be. Yeah. So this becomes a misdemeanor. I'm they sorry. plead guilty to. Yeah. I, no, no. I'm sorry, Chris. I, I, I'm, I'm going into uh, like prosecutor jargon. Okay. What I mean to say is a plea will be entered. Typically, it's a not guilty plea. Okay. You know, very few people plead guilty on their first appearance. So if I said he'll plead guilty, I misspoke. He's. What I mean is. Once somebody is indicted, they have a proceeding that uh, is called an arraignment that happens in court. And the main thing that happens in an arraignment is the person enters a plea. Typically, it's a not guilty plea. And what happens at that point is the case is assigned to a judge for trial. And then the judge will then set a schedule for motions, you know, pretrial motions, which would probably be extensive in this case. And they'll set a trial date at some point. So I'm trying to, we've talked about this before, a timeline. So he's running for president. And next year is, I mean, is this going to be done this year? Or will this extend into an election cycle of 2024? Yeah, I think a couple of things on that, Chris. First, the Manhattan criminal court system, you'll be shocked to learn, is very congested. <laughs> and it's, it, would, it would be unlikely to me that they're going to, you know, that this is going to be rapid fire, especially because... There's going to be extensive motions here. I think there's a significant uh, statute of limitations issue. Uh, I, you know, just quickly, 
for the misdemeanor, it's a two-year statute of limitations. So to my mind, this should have been up. This should have been stale by 2020. For the felony, it's five years, but I don't think he could prove the felony. I think Bragg is going to argue that the statute of limitations doesn't run when during periods of time when Trump was out of the state, like living in Washington and living in Florida. I don't think that argument is going to work, but but the statute of limitations is going to be a major issue in the case. And there you can imagine what some of the other motions are going to be. So the motion practice here is going to be extensive. And then the second thing I would point out is um, I've always thought that once the first prosecutor crosses the Rubicon, it'll be easier for other prosecutors to hop into the fray. So we know that there's probably uh, imminent charges in Fulton County, Georgia. Uh, We had that uh, lunatic uh, grand jury forewoman having her 15 minutes about a month ago. Um, And we learned that there was a a grand jury report where they recommended charges. And it seemed like that was uh, that was going to happen sometime. And then we've seen recent reporting that the Justice Department appointed special counsel, Jack Smith, has uh, picked up the pace of the investigations involving both the Mar-a-Lago documents and January 6th. And I would imagine we're going to hear from him, you know, sometime in the next few months. So the only reason I lay that out is it's going to complicate the scheduling because once you have multiple proceedings, then, uh, you know, these prosecutors and courts have to get together and decide who's going to go first and when. This this starts to look, I mean, it starts to look, it already looks, this, this is the thing, it, it's, and I, I don't, I, it's not even what you think of Donald Trump, it's just undeniably true, this is so ridiculous and so heavy-handed and so over the top, his base of support is, this is going to ignite a fire in, in those people that will never be quelled, and, and I, I continue as a political matter to caution people who think it's time to move on from Trump the people that support him and have stood with him, this this is this is going to do the exact opposite. Now, I don't know what it means for a general, but it's unthinkable to me that this is where we are. But this heavy-handed kind of radical prosecutorial zealotry against a former president is is probably going to see to it that he gets nominated again. And then he's in a general election. And I, I don't even know what that means. It's just crazy that we're here, Andy. It's just insane. Yeah. Well, I I think, Chris, that the Democrats want to run against them in the general election. For sure, yeah. And they they would like to see him nominated. So what what I've been trying to point out to people about this, you know, we're very centric, especially in our media coverage, on Washington. You know, we're very federal-centric. We talk about Congress and the Justice Department all the time. Uh, In the Justice Department or in the federal system, the prosecutors are appointed and they're vetted by the Senate. One of the things they're vetted for, you can argue about how successful this process is, but one of the things that is a big item when people get nominated is whether they'll use their power abusively as a political weapon. In the state systems, it's very different. The state prosecutors and attorneys general are elected officials. Alvin Bragg is an elected progressive Democrat. So that injects politics into law enforcement at the state level like we don't have it in the in the federal level in the sense that it's, it's baked in the cake. Yeah. So 
Alvin Bragg is acting like an elected progressive Democrat. You may think, and I do, that this is atrocious law enforcement, but it's probably good progressive politics in New York. And very quickly, the House Republicans have now launched a probe into this Manhattan DA, this Alvin Bragg. Top Republicans across three House committees uh, are looking at Bragg's rumored coming indictment. House Judiciary Chair Jim Jordan, Oversight Committee Chair Comer, uh, Administrative Committee Chairman Steele uh, sent a letter to Bragg on Monday requesting an interview with him, as well as documents and communications related to the DA's investigation into Trump. Uh, have we seen that before? That's interesting. It's interesting, but it's completely unconstitutional. I don't, you know, I mean, I understand why these guys are angry, and I do agree that they should look at all the taxpayer money that the feds are sending to the states. And if they, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be sending money to, to elected progressive Democrats, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they have no, the, this is not the justice department. It wasn't created by Congress. These are sovereign states. And no matter what you think of what Bragg is doing, and I think it's atrocious. Um, the federal government has, is not the overlord of the state governments. Jim Jordan has no right to, or power legitimately uh, to tell a state prosecutor that he needs to come to Congress and explain himself. The, the New York legislature could do that. Of yeah. course, they won't. But the federal government has no power like that. If they want to cut off the money, I'm all for it. Cut off the money. That would be a good thing. I only have but a minute. they got no business telling a, yeah. uh, telling a state official to show up and explain himself. I only have one minute left, but I want to ask you, let, again, just walking this out, all these lunatic uh prosecutions. Maybe they're successful. Maybe they're tied up in court. There's appeals, blah, blah, blah. I mean, let's get to election 2024. Are we still in court? Are we still going back and forth with Trump? Has this all been settled? Are we on appeal? And and whether he wins or loses in a general, assuming he's the nominee, like, I don't understand what this means. These tr these cases would continue on if he, be if he won the presidency again? Or how does that work? Yeah, it, there's, no, there's no precedent for it. Chris. And, you know, there's rules like the Justice Department has a rule that basically says you can't indict a sitting president that has to wait until he's out. But that has no bearing. We just talked about the difference between the federal system and the state system. Uh, the states can do whatever they want, but that doesn't mean the federal government has to go along with it. So we haven't seen how that clash will work itself out. But the, what I have been telling people, and this is just as easy as I can say it, the only thing the Constitution says about the qualifications for president is you have to be over 35 and a natural born citizen of the United States who's lived here for more than 14 years. <laughs> Other than that, there's no qualifications. Ain't nothing in the Constitution says the American people want to, you know, <laughs> they want to elect as president someone who's doing 50 years at Leavenworth. They can do that. <laughs> they can't. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.